Welcome to Church Unfiltered Podcast, a leadership podcast for pastors, church leaders, and volunteers. Now, here's your host, Dr. Anthony Cops. Hey, welcome to another episode of Church Unfiltered, where we seek to provide answers that pastors and church leaders are asking. We want to make sure that you get the right answers to the right questions. We are so excited today. We are so excited today to bring back a friend. He was on episode 14. That was way back in June of 2020. Uh, Dr. Kerry Lattimore is with us on today. Um, if you did not get a chance to listen to that episode, actually it was a two-part episode, go back and listen to episode 14, part one and part two. When we did, when we talked about pandemics and protests, we were in the heat of all of that. And Dr. Kerry Lattimore is an expert in, uh, in history, African-American history. And um, we are so grateful to have him come as we, this is, this is uh, Black History Month, the time of this recording. And we are so excited to have him with us again from way back on episode 14. <laughs> Dr. Kerry Lattimore, welcome back to Church Unfiltered. Thank you, Dr. Cobbs. And we go way back in general as well. Absolutely. Even absolutely. beyond 2020. Absolutely. We do. We do. We do. You are a tremendous blessing to me, to my ministry, but to the city of San Antonio and even, even just in general, what a blessing you are. Um, you are a professor at Trinity University, history professor. Uh, we are so excited to have you. We want, to, we want to dive into some things, especially this Black History Month. But first and foremost, I want to talk about an exciting project that has just come out is your book, Unshakable Faith, Unshakable Faith. I want you to just spend some time telling us about this new book uh, that is published, published by Our Daily Bread Publishing. Um, so this is a real publisher, y'all. This is real deal. This is a great book. And this is Dr. Carrie Lattimore. Tell us about Unshakable Faith, the book. You know, to me, Unshakable Faith is a culmination. I wouldn't say the, the ending, but it's kind of a beginning of what I would hope is a new stage in my life. And it brings together both of my vocations. I'm a Baptist minister, but I'm also a college professor. And for many, in many senses, we're asked to kind of separate those vocations out. So you go into class and you teach about your history. Then you come to church and you talk about your faith. But I found that I was kind of being split up. Mm -hmm. And so... I wanted to find a way to kind of bring together those two vocations. And so Unshakable Faith is my attempt at doing so and bringing together something that's historically centered. We, we go through African-American Christian traditions mm -hmm. um, from really the 18th century and the first great awakening on up to the present. And then we, we bring in people um, who kind of illuminate that aspect of history. But we also look at it spiritually. So we look at these people from a spiritual lens. And so I use people to talk about history. So from Phyllis Wheatley up until, you know, Lecrae to Fannie Lou Hamer, we look at the impact, not necessarily of the Black church, although the Black church is part of it, but faith in the Black community. Sometimes we always say the Black church, and we don't realize that it's people of faith who, who make the church. And so for me, that's what unshakable faith is. And it looks at how African-American faith has been, in a sense, unshakable. Mm -hmm. And that's been a rock. It doesn't mean when I say unshakable, it doesn't mean that you don't struggle with it. It doesn't mean that it's right. not stirred sometimes. Right. But ultimately, 
it holds you up, it grounds you, it centers you, it gives you hope, it gives you strength, it gives you positivity, it teaches you how to overcome difficult things. And so if you look at uh, Phyllis Wheatley, who I really start with, you look at how her Christian faith led her through extraordinary circumstances, being separated away from her family where she doesn't even know who her mother, we don't even think that she knows who her mother and father really were. Wow. But then she comes here as a child, learns different languages, and then becomes an amazing human being. And then on up to a Fannie Lou Hamer who's devastated and assaulted in a dirty, nasty prison cell, Mm. but comes out and God helps her become a leader in the civil rights movement. So Mm. Unshakable Faith is a story of how faith can take you from one place to another place and ground you on solid ground, in a sense. That's good. That's good. That's good. And and these stories, these stories are engaging. These stories, I'm having an opportunity to read it now. These these stories are engaging. It's a it's an easy read, um, in the sense of it's it's not too heavy. Yeah. Uh, that it's intriguing. It's interesting. It keeps your interest. I highly recommend for our listeners that you that you get a copy of Unshakable Faith. Can you? And if can I may you, say so, different voices too. I, yes. I to different yeah. voices, and so. It's not just men. It's not just women. It's men and women. Yes. And I think I try to make it equally between the two. And you have some people who look at who are a little more conservative, some people a little more liberal, a little more progressive. And so we mm-hmm. bring together different kinds of people. Some people are obviously people think of them as being centered in the church. And then there are other people like Kendrick Lamar that we don't think are, you know, typically centered in the church. And right. so we look at the impact of different kinds of African-Americans with the idea that Somebody in that book, I would hope, would you would be able to identify with. I right. hope you that you'd be able to identify with a lot of them. Right. But there right. should be somebody in that book whose experience, in some ways, shapes, or form, has experiences that you could probably identify with. Yeah, yeah. What do you say? What do you say, Doctor Lattimore, to those uh, uh, those who say um, the experience, the African American experience, especially in this country throughout history. How do you reconcile that with our faith, with the tr- atrocities that we have experienced? And that's that's exactly what you're talking about in here. But how would how would you respond to those people? How do we have faith in God above when we've experienced such atrocities in this country? What what do you say to that? I think that you know sometimes when we look at the Gospels and we look at the Old Testament from people who have been on the wrong side, I think, have always used certain scriptures and picked them out. And I think sometimes people who say, well, how can we believe in a God who who kind of was there with all of this? I think they're picking things out as well. And so I I look at a Harriet Tubman who everything that she does is grounded in her spiritual faith. And she's following God in a way of where she has to just completely let herself go and let God. Mm -hmm. And as she's you know, this is a woman who liberates herself through God's grace. Yeah. And then wow. she goes back and says that the Lord is leading her. How can you not believe in a, you know, if she can believe in that and wow. she does. Yes. You know, it, it really opens up the possibilities of the strength and the power of faith because she, when she was going back to the South, it just wasn't, you know, her going back and she could get arrested. She could get killed. She could get murdered. Right. She could get assaulted. Right. Anything could happen to her, re-enslave, you name it. She was risking everything that she had to go back. And she's doing this because she believes that she is being led 
by God. And so for every example that we can show that things are difficult, we can also show other examples and even more of God's grace and his goodness. You know, God, yeah, yes, Phyllis was separated away from her family, but look at what she produced for all of us. And that's why we remember her 200 years later. Wow. And so when you yes. think of it, I believe in the, the, the faith that I have, my Christian faith comes from yes. my ancestors who, even though they were enslaved, some of them were free, but a lot of them were enslaved. They still believe because they recognize that there's a difference in physical enslavement and mental enslavement. Mm, and so I believe that they may have been physically enslaved, but they were free in their minds because they held on to a God who said, I am not a respecter of persons. And when you think of that and you're a slave and you believe in this God who says, I'm not a respecter of persons, that transforms everything. Right, right. You know, because the society is telling you you're not anybody. Right. But then you've got this God who says, I am not a respecter of persons. It don't matter who you are. There's no Jew nor Gentile in Christ Jesus. Wow. And, and no man can serve two masters. And you think of all that, you can see how, and, and or then you even look at the, you know, Paul's letter to Philemon. And he says, see him as more than a slave, but right. a dear brother. Right. And yes, that, that letter was sometimes used as pro-slavery. But if you under you, if you reach under it, you see that there is a humanity here where God is calling us to erase these distinctions between us and to get to another level. That's good. That's what that, the, the gospel is to me. That's what the good news is to yeah. me. And that's what my faith means to me. And that's what I try to explore in this book is that there's another side here and that we can be positive in our faith that it's leading us in the right direction, even when human beings make mistakes. God right. don't make no mistakes. Right. He doesn't. He doesn't make mistakes. And that's I good. had to go French. I had to go that old school. God don't make no mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. You Baptist, Baptist preacher, but do, do you think? <laughs> yeah. But I, I wonder this, Dr. Lattimore. So some of the, some in churches, I do church consulting. I, I work with pastors. I talk to different African-American pastors, white pastors, Spanish, different, different Latin pastors. Um, this is Black History Month, the time of this recording. Black History Month, we're, we're here. Some have said, we, we don't want to acknowledge that. We don't want to do that because we don't want to alienate anyone. We don't want to make anyone feel bad. We don't want to make it seem as if we are focused in on one group as opposed to others. We want to be multicultural. What do you, what do you say to pastors who are listening on, this, on the significance of reading books like this and talking like we're talking now and acknowledging Black History Month and making that an integral part of the, of the church program. What do you say to pastors who say, no, I don't, I don't think that that's relevant. That's not something we should do at our church. I would argue that for pastors of multi-ethnic, multi-racial churches, let's start with actually with pastors of Black churches, because uh, mm -hmm. that's the easier one, you know, mm -hmm. They need to study it because it is our history. Right. But even more so, I think that multi-ethnic, multiracial, or primarily white churches have a responsibility, I think, of studying this as well. Because one thing about, if you think about how we look at history, we say we can be a melting pot. 
-hmm. And that's how we like to say that we are in America. But does that mean that we erase everything that we are to be part of this American cultural experience? Or do we take who we are and come together and become something better appreciating our distinctions? Right. For me, Black History Month and Latino History Month, Women's History Month, these are opportunities for us to learn more about other people that may be different from ourselves, which strengthens us in our faith. Because if you look at the Bible, the Bible is extraordinarily historical. Right. You know, we can talk about the theology of it, but the some of the first, you know, you read first and second Samuel and first and second Kings, there's a lot of history in that. Right. And you have the historical method being used. And then you think about God saying, you know, take these stones and use that as a memorial to remember, you know, I am the Lord thy God who brought right. you out of the, the land of slavery, right. out of Egypt. He didn't say, let's move beyond that. He said, let's learn from it and experience it again so that we don't make that same mistake. And so in celebrating and recognizing what had happened in the past, it doesn't mean that we, we have to commit or, or convict other people, but it means that we learn and we experience it. We have empathy, which brings us closer to one another That's so good. that I know who my brother and sister is. I may understand what they're feeling. Yes. And that draws me closer to them because if I say that they're my brother, I need to be as close to them as I am with my real brother. Yes. And I know who my real, you know, I don't have any brothers. Yes. I have sisters, but I know who my sisters are. I know their experiences. Why do I not want to know my brother who I claim as my spiritual brother? Why do I not want to know his experiences and what he's or she has been through? Ooh. I have a responsibility to do so. Yes. Yes. As sir. a Christian, That's good. I have a responsibility to know them. To, for my experiences to be almost in with them, to be right. united with them. In the same way that we say we unite with Christ, we become in him. Right. Can we not become united with our brothers and for it not to be you versus me? Right. But to know you, I must understand you. That is good. That is good. Great answer. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. So you are, you are a professor of history I just want to ask you that this is a question that I just, I, I, I'm intrigued. What is the period of history that is just like your, your favorite period of history to study or to teach? What period of history and why? You know, I love the reconstruction period, All the right. period after the civil war. And I don't, it's, I love it not because it was ultimately successful, mm. but I love it because we always say today that things are changing like they've never changed before and things are moving quicker than they've ever done before. And that's not the case in American history. If you think about reconstruction, you have people basically breaking the chains of enslavement off and entering into politics in a couple years. Mm. Now you go from you go from the corn, you know, the, the cotton fields to Congress in a couple of years. That is a transformation that I don't think anybody can understand, but mm. it happened. It happened. And you had more people elected to political office in that 10 year period or that six or seven year period 
than you did in a hundred years afterwards. And mm -hmm. so there were things that were happening good. And then there was the response that was so visceral to the possibility and the potential of what America could be. Because Reconstruction gave us a window to what could have been, a window that was ultimately shut. Yes. Yes. And then if you think about it historically, we always want to say that we're always moving towards something greater and right. more progress and more freedom. Well, Reconstruction shows that that's not the case, that you can go back. And that's not a story that we like to tell, but it's a very interesting, intriguing story because it leaves so much for us to, to investigate, to explore, right. and to also remember to make sure that we don't go back. That's good. That's so good. I love that Reconstruction period because I would just have to, you know, I think about my great-great-grandparents who were enslaved. And I can only imagine what it must have been to hear that they were free, one, and then to actually see it working right. to vote for the first time, to buy land for the first time, to own something when you were owned. I mean, can you imagine yes, yes. what that was when you were property and you end up owning your own land, That's your so own farm? That's something that I don't think we can kind of grasp. You know, yes, it's big when we buy a house today. Right. But imagine if you used to be owned in that house. That's, uh, I, I just can't imagine how that must feel. So to be owned and then to own yourself, to develop your own farm, to be able to know that you can't, your wife can't be sold or you can't be separated from your children. I can only imagine the feeling then that they must have felt. Yeah. And so that's why I, I, that, that period to me stands out because it's so like the Exodus. Do you, do you think, Dr. Lattimore, that how you just described the reconstruction, the period after that, how you just described that and just gave us this visual, do you think that that's part of why some people detach from, from learning history or even desensitize to it because they don't think about the human element that you just described? That, that is so significant. You were once owned, but now you are able to purchase. Now you're able to live. What do you think about that? Why do you think we, we detach ourselves from studying history, from learning about it, except for maybe once, once a year during February, we learn about certain people, sometimes the same people. Yeah. And then we go on about our, our day or we go on about our, the rest of the year, not even thinking about it. Because I, I think sometimes we're geared to sometimes the overtly negative. And this, there's a lot of bad things that we need to explore too. But history to me is not just about names and dates. It's about people's lives lived and experiences. Yeah. It's not just in 1776, you know, the Declaration of, you know, Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence in 1865, you know, the ending of the Civil War. But these are people's lives and their experiences and learning it from that social perspective yeah. gives flavor in a sense. Right. And that's why that's what brought me to history was learning that it's more than these names and dates, but lives lived and lives that were connected to mine and yours. Yes. And to know those lives, to experience the lives of people whose blood still flows through your veins. Yes to wonder what they felt, 
because they were part of this in the same way that we're going to be part of lives explored down from now. So when we talk about George Floyd or something like that, we're going to probably, you know, people from now are going to be saying, what did people think about that? What did Black people, what were they experiencing in that way? What were they, you know, at the same time that they were thinking about George Floyd, but they also saw, you know, years earlier, Barack Obama elected. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's not just Barack Obama or George Floyd. It's other lives that are part of that. It's not just Trayvon Martin, of which it is, but it's other lives around that that, that fill in the tapestry of these experiences. And so for me, the experiences and the lives lived are important because they're just as historical as the dates. Wow. Wow. And then for that is awesome. And for our, our listeners, pastors, church leaders, then as, as Dr. Lattimore's book uh, connotes that the faith of most of these or many of these people, the faith that they had in Jesus Christ to make it through these tough times and 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 so many circumstances that were that, that would have destroyed others and destroyed them but they they had their faith they had unshakable faith in Christ Jesus I am so excited about this book I really really appreciate you writing this and you said at the beginning of this interview you said how you combined your Baptist your Baptist preacher but you also are a historian you are a history professor and bringing those two together. We need more of this. We need more of this. And so we are so grateful for you, Dr. Lattimore. Um, I, wanna, I wanna wrap this up. I wanna, can you tell us how to get this book, Unshakable Faith? How do we- how The do easiest way right start? now is to go to Amazon and, and find Unshakable Faith. Um, I can send you a link and you can put it up or somewhere in your little, you know, your little thing. But, <laughs> but search it, Unshakable Faith, Carrie Lattimore. And it's there and right now, they're shipping it out in a day or two and you can have yeah. it in three days because that's what yeah. people are getting in now free. You know, they're not even charging, you know, if you just do it, you'll get it quickly. So you can also go to our daily bread publishing, but the easiest way really is to go to Amazon. Okay. All right. And we will make sure of that. We will make sure we put the link out on our social media pages and uh, make sure of that. What are you reading right now, Dr. Lattimore, besides well, you're not reading your, but you wrote your book, but we're reading your book. I do what go else? over it every now and then, though, to make sure uh, I don't forget that. <laughs> what, what, what is a historian? What does a historian read? What? Right. Well, <laughs> I'm putting, the, I just finished, you know, putting my syllabus together for classes that are beginning. Okay. And so right now I'm reading a book again called Southern Cross by Christine Hireman. Um, and that's a book, it's about 20 years old, but it's a really good book and it's on, the beginnings of what we refer to as the Bible Belt, the okay. South. Okay. And so it looks at the evangelical faith in the South and how, you know, we now think of the South as this religious landscape, but right. in the late, you know, 18th century, it wasn't. Hmm. And so the Baptists and the Methodists and the Presbyterians were kind of radical and they were considered weird. Hmm. Um, and they were pretty, when I say radical, many of them were anti-slavery. And then how... That, trans, that changed in the South, but initially that's what brought a lot of African-Americans into the Baptist and Methodist right, faith. Right. Um, and so I, I'm looking at that right now. I'm also looking at a book called, called Carved in Ebony, which is by a sister named Jasmine Holmes. Um, it talks about Black women of faith. It's um, kind of a youth book, but it's a really interesting book because um, it looks at Black women 
and you know some faith aspects and some of the same couple of the people that I talk about in this book you know she talks about as well Mariah Stewart and some other folk all right okay carved in ebony and southern cross okay we'll also put that on on the list or as far as uh, our social media we'll post that as well Dr. Lattimore, thank you so much. We are so grateful for you coming by on Church Unfiltered again. Uh, we are excited about your book. We're excited about other things that I'm sure are coming uh, forth from you. We, we are a fan. We are a fan of you and what you are doing. Any, anything that you want to say, it's Black History Month, pastors, church leaders are listening. Anything that you want to leave with our listeners on today? I would say for me, you know, Black History Month is an opportunity. And, you know, we can talk about, there's a lot of difficult things that have happened to the African-American uh, that experience, but so many wonderful things that have come out of it. Yeah. And so I would like for this month, for me, to think about, I'm so proud to be an African-American, to be a wow. Black American. That's good. And I'm proud because of, you know, what my ancestors gave me. That doesn't mean that I'm putting out any other group because this all, you know, being African-American, I'm part of everybody. Right. You know, we, we, we're not just Black folk. We're not just, you know, we're every, we're part of every group, Native American, white, right. it's all part of who we are. But that experience to me, um, the resilience, the ability, you know, forgiving, mm -hmm. redemption, um, the, all the people I study in the, in this book, you know, work with all of those things. And so, this is an opportunity to think about how can we forgive better? How can we love better? How can we, you know, create a better world? And how can we give hope to people in a difficult world? Right now, you know, when I think about the sister who committed suicide, you know, the, the beauty queen who committed suicide, yeah. and I don't know what's going on there, you know, the situations, but there's so much depression out there and anxiety. And, you know, and I understand that as a person who suffered through that. Mm -hmm. um, but to me, I find hope and inspiration in studying the people of the past. That's good. You know, looking at how they worked out those things. And so history can be a resource for us if we use it appropriately um, to help us. There's other things that we can use too, but history is one of those things. Our faith is another part. And so I think like history month, we can give that a try to be a more positive people as well. That is awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Carrie Lattimore from Trinity University, history professor, and just an author of Unshakable Faith. Make sure you pick that up. God bless you, Dr. Lattimore. God bless you as well, my brother. Thank you for listening to Church Unfiltered. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Church Unfiltered Podcast and connect with us. If you would like more information on this topic discussed in this episode, or if you would like to bring Dr. Cobbs in for church consulting, leadership training, or speaking engagements, please email us at info at breakthroughonline.org. Again, that is info at breakthroughonline.org. Until next time, God bless you and keep you.